3: Hope you're having a great day. Hope you're having a good morning. Whenever you're listening, whatever time zone you're in, thanks for listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, we're going to have Pete Hegseth coming up at the bottom of the hour. You know, Pete's all over the television, and you see him on Fox & Friends weekend. He's filling in for Steve Ducey on Fox & Friends. So I left him about a half hour ago, so he's got a half hour to, to cool down. We just interviewed Dr. Deborah Burks. and she's a lovely woman. I'm sure she's extremely bright and very, very, very experienced, but it just drives me nuts. Today, now, they're not even backing off the fact that we should be wearing goggles. Anthony Fauci said, yeah, we should wear goggles. Really? So we look like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar walking around along with our masks that you told us in the beginning we shouldn't use. And then when I asked her about kids and kids transmitting the virus, of course, we know there's almost no chance of that. She's like, well, we're pretty sure it didn't happen in Korea. Really? We've given you six months to answer that question. You still can't answer that question. Unbelievable. And these are the brightest. And we destroyed our economy to do it. 30, we, uh, we have, what, 32 million people out of work. And another 1.4 million have just filed for unemployment claims for the first time. We're used to 100,000. Big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three.
1: Number three. I'll just cut to the chase. Big tech's out to get conservatives. That's not a suspicion, that's not a hunch, that's a fact. Conservatives are consumers too. Everybody should be able to speak their mind.
3: Yeah, that was Sensenbrenner, who was out of his mind yesterday, the second one. Jim Jordan, of course, the first. Big tech, big issues, few solutions. The most powerful CEOs in America, maybe in the world, testified on Capitol Hill. They weren't there, but they were beamed in. Zuckerberg, Bezos, uh, Pinchot, and Cook. Privacy, bias, fairness, monopoly all permeated the conversation. But what was accomplished? What concerns you the most? What would you like to see done?
4: Number
5: two. DHS law enforcement presence will remain in Portland until we can be assured that the plan put in place by the governor and the Oregon State Police is working, is effective, and they can continue to do it night after night and keep the criminal and violent activity away from that courthouse.
3: Yeah, what's confusing about that? Director of Homeland the Secretary of Homeland Security, Chad Wolf. Should we stay or should we go now? I'm talking about places like Portland. I'm talking about places like Seattle. It depends. It depends on who you ask. And I'm talking about federal troops. Uh, I shouldn't say troops. I should say agents. Mixed signals of unrest as unrest reigns. Last night, day 63, tear gas used, flashbangs needed. What the states are finally pledging to do and why the Trump team is not just taking their word for it.
6: Number one. Local school officials make decisions about how and when to return. Dr. Anthony Fauci cited studies yesterday that children over nine years old can transmit the virus just like adults.
3: You believe this? corona seven states set single day records in the south and the virus is now worrying cities in the midwest front and center at everyone's kitchen table is how to get kids back to school what would it take for you to be comfortable if you're not comfortable yet i'm personally ready now unions are likely not ready maybe ever they're talking about strikes in three states meanwhile new stimulus package prospects dim so let's get started. First on the coronavirus. I wish we had better news, but we don't uh, have better news right now. With the, Although they're bending the curve just a little bit, getting control of things in Florida just a little bit, as well as Texas. They're worried about some of these uh, Midwestern cities, and I understand it. So we have to stay on top of it. But at the same time, we realize we can deal with it. We're getting on. More people are surviving. The ventilator thing is considered not, um, you know, not optimum. So when people go on them, there's only a 20 percent chance of survival. But we should be working on getting kids back to school. Keep in mind, a lot of kids I know are in summer school right now, right now. So if it's working in summer school with much smaller classes and much smaller areas, it can make it work. And I just wonder, and I I have more respect for teachers than just about anyone uh, that you know, especially because I got lucky. Almost every teacher I had has made a major impact on me in a positive way. Or maybe I'm just in a great school district growing up and what I'm witnessing with uh, with my kids – But if these teachers weren't going to be paid if they didn't go back to school, like the restaurant owners, like the gym owners, like those who have clothing stores, like the ones that were told who might have stores in malls, they are going belly up and the PPP money is not sustaining them any longer. I wonder how many teachers would be out there finding a way finding a way to get classes to assemble in a safe environment, to get the little uh, cubbies to go around the desks that we see uh, overseas. We see them all over Europe. But right now there's just no pressure uh, to do that because they're going to get paid anyway. They all hate Zoom. We all agree that Zoom does not, is not an effective learning tool. It's the best we got, but not an effective learning tool. So let's find a way to get this done. But with uh, the virus... Uh, But with the virus, I believe that you're in a situation where it's not under control here, but I think it also is getting perspective on it's not under control in a lot of different places. Uh, For example, it is uh, in Germany, they are getting worried. In Japan, they are concerned. In Australia, they're seeing a rise in cases. There are over 400,000 cases in South Africa. That's two-thirds of all the cases in all the continent of 56 separate countries in Africa. So here is um, here is in terms of schools. Here's Betsy DeVos proudly saying no national plan. Cut three.
7: You know, there's not a national superintendent, nor should there be. Therefore, there's not a national plan for reopening.
3: So you go around, as she did yesterday with the vice president, see what people are doing in classrooms, see what Europe is doing. And then you steal right from them. So meanwhile, as we try to talk to expert after expert, trying to find out what's next and what have you learned over the last six months, every day is a carnival with Dr. Fauci in particular. I don't doubt that he's bright and experienced, but he's not definitive in what he says. One minute, we're not playing baseball. I don't see playing sports. Let's go back to school. What a lockdown. You've done better than ever. Well, we haven't locked down as a country. That's the problem. Now we understand Dr. Fauci is not happy with us just wearing masks, which he said nothing about in the spring. Cut one.
8: Think we're going to get to a point where eye protection is recommended?
9: You know, it might. If you have goggles or an eye f- or an eye shield, you should use it. I mean, uh, it's not universally recommended, but if you really want to be complete, you should probably use it if you can.
3: What are you talking about? Who the hell wants to use an eye shield? You might as well use it. You might as well not leave your house. We we don't need another piece of apparatus. So make sure our eyes don't leak over people. Dr. Burks. on the question, I was going just talking to her today about kids back to school. I I don't get it. I mean, what do you mean the kids now can transfer this at a regular rate? You're not sure? Well, under 10 is a lot less. We thought that. Not in so much. Listen to this. Cut five. Do you believe even in the hottest spot, there's a way to get kids back to school safely, being that their transmission uh, is so low, the chances of them getting it? is so small
7: well first let's go back to those two statistics one we don't we know from examples around the country that children do get infected what we do know is they do better by and large the qu- question about whether they are less transmiss- transmit the virus less is still un- an open debate we have one study it's not done in the united states and i think that still is an open question When you're talking about putting children back in school the teachers the grandparents that are home in multi-generational can i stop
3: you there i heard i mean we've heard from experts who say it's almost impossible for kids to spread this to other kids and to adults you're saying that's not true at all
7: we have that one study in south korea which showed that precise fact what i can't tell you is in united states do i have an example positive or negative, that confirms that study. And I think you know as scientists, we like to have always more than one so that they're more what we call asymptomatic and more likely to spread the virus without them knowing that they have symptoms. What we can do as Americans, if we want our children back in school, is we can help this country by everybody doing what the president has asked. Wear a mask, socially distance, Avoid gatherings where you cannot socially distance and wear a mask like bars and house parties. And this will bring down these case numbers.
3: Tell me that doesn't drive you nuts. So walk around, wear masks and wash your hands and sit back and watch the country crumble and the world go in control of China. And everything I told you might be true and might not be true. And if you question them, you don't believe in science. When they get on the same page, I'll start believing in science. Dr. Scott Atlas says they absolutely, it's not going to happen. There's very little danger of going back to school, let alone the psychological danger of staying out of school for the next eight months. I'll take your calls on this, one 408 7669 I didn't get to the other two topics, but they matter a lot. And I'll be getting to them with Pete, and we'll take some calls too. We'll probably stay for the whole half hour. Um, and... We'll be talking about the violence that took place in Portland. If you want the troops to leave, if you don't like the federal agents in your town, get it under control and pledge to use your state police because you haven't been doing that. Uh, meanwhile, the, the protesters doing something really interesting. They are beginning to find the police chief's homes and protest outside their house. Isn't that great? Back in a moment.
2: It's Brian Kilmeade.
3: As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now, Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in, blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com slash path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com slash path.
2: Breaking news. Unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show.
3: Welcome back, everybody. I got a few minutes here, so I want to get to as many calls as possible, one 408 7669 Pete Hegseth at the bottom of the hour. We're also talking about what's happening in Portland, Seattle, Chicago. And uh, now the president says he's going to help out in some of those other problematic cities, including uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We're also going to take a look at big tech. Man, it affects everybody. Uh, Zuckerberg, Bezos, Pinchu, and Cook all up there. They're controlling our lives. And I thought the one thing that really stuck out with me, was what Senator Warner said uh, in an interview afterwards. And this is, you know, the bias, I think, is clear. You have the the dominance of Facebook when they buy Instagram is clear. When you have Amazon, uh, 38% of all retail sales are Amazon. When they have a product, they decide to make it their own and then put it first. That, to me, is clear. But I also thought, if you want to know the big story and in, in, in the impact of these big tech companies, and I'm proud that they're an American company, and I love that they're uh, they're working hard, To dominate, that's what capitalism is. Uh, You know, greed is good, that whole attitude. I also wish they would just be America first when it comes to defense contracts and Google. But when you talk about uh, being a monopoly, I think that's what what we're seeing now is the result. Senator Warner of Virginia said this yesterday. Um, It's on this very last page. They did have some technical glitches. He said, basically, we're seeing a 40% decreases in startups since over the last two or three years when Amazon, Facebook, Twitter and others began to emerge. I don't want to squelch innovation. Missy, listening online in Chicago. Hey, Missy.
8: Hi, Brian. How are you?
3: I'm good. What's on your mind?
8: Um. Well, I was watching Fox and Friends. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that was my alarm clock. Um, I was watching Fox and Friends today. And Brian, I am a big fan and agree with you for most things. But I was disappointed in you and Pete rolling your eyes and stuff when talking about the face mask. I was a research nurse. And I'm not, you know, a pro on any of this. So I'm just telling you, quote unquote, my truth, which I hate that word, but my experience. And they're going as fast as they can on like the vaccines and stuff, which is incredible for me having, you know, ovarian cancer research, how fast they're getting it through. But also they keep giving us guidelines and they change as they're getting more information. So if they were not to say, Okay, let's wear the eye shield now, and then all of a sudden, that became the main form of transmission. How do you think everyone would react that they didn't? Inexcusable, say, this
3: Missy. Inexcusable. Six months in, this is all they do for a living. They study different pandemics, from a, Ebola to the swine flu to H1N1, whatever it is. Then, in the beginning, we have the Surgeon General telling us, "Whatever you do, what to make things worse, do not wear a mask." Then we have Fauci said, "I was going to tell you to wear a mask, but I thought we'd run out." Meanwhile, there's a website on the. uh, U.S. Surgeon General's website how to make your own mask. We're not children. Tell us. Now you decide we need to wear a mask. That's fine. When we asked her about this new thing called goggles, she starts telling us about decals that could make masks fun to wear. I don't want happy talk. It's too much damage to too many people. And don't tell me you can't go to Germany, go to France, go to England, see what they're doing in Sweden with students back in school and learn from that. Don't tell me about a Korean study, and that's all you have to go on. I'm sorry. I expect more. And even though she's a nice woman, there's too much at stake now. Appreciate your support, Michael. Listening in, Yonkers, Michael.
11: Hey, hey, how you doing, Mike? Uh, please send my, my condolences to, to Janice. Uh, I
3: just found Los, out Yeah, bo- that. both her in-laws.
11: Oh my gosh. I, so I lost my mom on Easter over here and I couldn't, I was in Florida. I couldn't even come here. I'm finally here. Right. I'm quarantining my brothers and uh, that, you know, you got to fill out a paper on the plane. And of course they asked me about the sniffles and everything else, but then they started asking me a lot of other personal medical questions. I says, what does that have to do with COVID? Absolutely nothing. I'm not answering these questions. Every morning I get a text because I'm sure they're pinging my phone to see where I am. Uh, This thing with the mask, she was a nice lady. Listen, we need to get those doctors, Brian, get those doctors that were on there, that they they, uh, banned on Facebook and everything. Get them on the phone, interview them, because they need to take over Fauci. Fauci is, is garbage. We all know it. I'm a Latino I am a Latino uh, for Trump, and we are tired, my, and we're going to vote Michael, 2020
3: for Trump. I, Michael, I, I hear you, but he's not garbage. He's probably a nice man, but he changes his tune All the time. He is totally inconsistent depending on who he's talking to. And he's enjoying his fame way too much. He's talking about, wow, I never in my life dreamed of being a baseball card. I don't care about a baseball card. You're the leading U.S. evidently expert on a pandemic. Nobody cares about your baseball card. Who wants to play you on SNL? I want Brad Pitt. Enough. I want answers. I don't want. I don't think we should have baseball. What are you talking about? No one asked you about baseball. You can't just ban an industry on a whim because you got a question on it, and you have to find out the best you can about kids in school. I want a prototype school. I want you walking through it. Tell us how to do it, and then decide what works in uh, it works in uh, Montana as well as as uh, San Antonio, Texas. Jerry, listen on WOKV in Jacksonville. Jerry.
12: I love your show. Um, Oh, man. I don't know how to explain this. I I, I disagree with you, but to some extent, I agree with you. My kid is not going to school. I am fortunate enough.
13: that
12: hello
3: how old is your child
12: she's nine years old she's not going to school me and mom do not feel comfortable seeing her to school we spoke to the teacher she says she doesn't the teacher doesn't feel comfortable in there but i don't take that into consideration what i look at is in my life we're not going to movie theaters we are DoorDash's favorite customers because we do want to help our, our small businesses but i have to protect my family first and i understand where you guys are my opinion is I'm not sending my kid to school until I feel safe. And I feel like if the president would have given the same amount of energy that he's given it to it now in February, we may be past this. It wouldn't we, have been, wouldn't be ma- wouldn't Jerry, wouldn't it wouldn't
3: matter, Jerry. wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter. You could have him instead of the vice president leading the charge. But President Obama had. Joe Biden leading the uh, handing out the money with the stimulus package. He had Joe Biden, you know, the Ukrainian situation. you had Joe Biden handling Ebola uh, and also the swine flu. You give your vice president stuff to do. You depend on the scientists, but they've destroyed our economy and still don't have answers for us. I totally respect you don't want to send your kid to school, but they are being damaged by not going.
10: From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to the untold story with Martha McCallum, the host of the story on Fox News Channel, sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
2: The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
7: The CDC has put out those guidelines so that children can go back to school. I think every school district around the country, and certainly we have multiple school districts, where the test positivity is under 2%. And we have a whole other set of school districts and counties where it's less than 5% and case counts are extraordinarily low. What we want is the whole country to be able to go back to school and all of those case counts down to what we call the green states. And we know that is possible because States have been able to do that and maintain that. So that's the evidence now of what works and how to maintain very low case counts. The rest of America needs to follow those guidelines and bring the rest of us into that green category.
3: So Dr. Deborah Burks telling Pete Hegseth uh, and me and Ainsley on Fox and Friends mm, 35 minutes ago, uh, we're trying to get the case count low and maybe bring kids back to school while not definitively telling us now, that kids aren't spreaders. We, we thought for sure kids weren't spreaders. If you asked me a month ago, I'd say, yeah, we know that for sure. We were worried about teachers that might be compromised. Pete Hegseth's in studio. studio. Uh, he's hosting the rest of the weekend, Fox & Friends
0: weekend. Pete, what was your reaction? Uh, my reaction was utter confusion. I mean, I'm looking at you across the set. I wanted to throw – we were throwing our arms up saying – and you made the best point at the end when you said first it was no masks then it was masks then it was you know they they stopped the virus no they don't spread the virus and now it's face shields or goggles which is the first time I've actually heard that. And but she and I expected her to say well no that's not it instead she said she talked about decorative things on how creative people have gotten with their masks which had nothing to do with the question which is are we going to look at a future here where you're telling us we got to wear face shields and goggles which if there's that much confusion on those basics Brian I don't. And there's CDC guidelines for schools, but no pressure to open them. It is chaos and confusion for every parent out there. right? And, now. and what's convenient? Oh, let's claim President Trump on that. Wait a second,
3: what are you talking about? You want to listen to scientists? I'm listening to scientists and I don't know what they want. They're confusing each other. They are blatantly contradicting each other. And then last night, uh, I want you to hear what Dr. Fauci told. I don't know. I forgot what show it was. Do you have that, Eric? Let's listen to Dr. Fauci.
8: I think we're going to get to a point where eye protection is recommended.
9: You know, it might. If you have goggles or an eye or an eye shield, you should use it. I mean, uh, it's not universally recommended, but if you really want to be complete, you should probably use it if you can.
3: So if you have an eye shield laying around, because we all do, because (laughs) I also am a welder. Uh, right. And yes. I, that's when I've just to relax. An old I'll, hockey
0: mask, maybe, with the, the clear plexiglass in the front right. might work.
3: Yeah. Um yes, that'll be that'll be great too. Or if you're an ex defensive lineman with an eye socket injury and we're forced to wear that shield yes. for a game, you could wear that. So now we're walking around with
0: face masks and goggles. And if not, we're being selfish, right? Yeah, LaDamely and Tomlinson's all set too with that dark blacked out virus. Yeah, standing running wear. back. Yes. Uh, yeah, why don't we just go full on um, what hazmat suit? I mean, I don't know. I, I used to say I felt like the more we learned about the virus, the, the, the more we could responsibly conduct ourselves within it, except these sci- leader, scientific leaders keep throwing curveballs and changing their tune because maybe it's not as straightforward as they know everything about it, which means I think the best avenue is to let every individual make their own risk calculation without virtue signaling and saying, hey, Brian, I crossed you in the hall and you weren't wearing a mask, therefore you put me at threat.
3: No, you know let what people I like? make choices. I, I do, and I understand, too, is, um, you got to be responsible. For example, on a single-line highway, when, drag, when traffic is going back and forth, you can't just say, I feel like going to the left and getting in a head-on collision. That's not okay. Yep. Similar, I understand, if you tell me, and I'm going to believe it for now, that masks work, I'll wear it. You got it. That's my responsible. I'll do it. But then also tell me if you're going to condemn that 700 person house party, you better contain you better have a problem with a 3000 person protest, because even if they start out wearing masks, they're not unless it's to stop tear gas. And I'm looking at this every night in multiple cities, no condemnation. And yet you have a huge problem with shirtless teens partying at
0: chain smokers in the Hamptons and you're going to arrest the organizers which makes everyone feel like this is all political, which makes everyone reject guidance, even if it is scientific. So you've created a skepticism in the minds of everybody because the unequal application. uh, We did this segment this morning of the beaches in California holding church services because can't do anything inside, got to go outside. So they're protesting by going to the beach. If they just turned that church service into a Black Lives Matter protest, There'd be no controversy. It wouldn't even be uh, taped. It wouldn't even be taped. It'd, be, it'd all be fine. It'd just be called Wednesday. Uh, and that's when people get real fired up about what portions of the First Amendment are actually protected.
3: So just some of the things that have popped up, you know, Sweden, everyone's condemning their model. They're back to work. Uh, their economy moving again. We've lost, what, 32% of growth. We have now added another 1.5 million to our unemployed, all because Dr. Burks mainly, said, we have no choice but to shut it down. Then we hear, after this sacrifice, incalculable, and we're lucky.
0: We got these great jobs, and mm-hmm. the money kept coming in, right? We are so lucky. A hundred percent. I mean, beyond fortunate to have the situations we do. This happens, and
3: now we're told, well, if we shut down entirely, we've been through this already, but we didn't. Really? We, If we shut down all 50 states entirely, South Dakota, Montana, then we would have been through this. no. I get a sense this virus has a say in this. And as I watch it come back in Japan, watch it come back in sections of China, watch it come back in South Africa. I have these numbers. Four hundred and seventy one thousand cases in South Africa, arguably the most economically I don't think it's an argument, advanced country in Africa mm-hmm. of all fifty three, eight hundred and ninety one thousand cases in all. They have four hundred and seventy one thousand cases in South Africa. Israel, so disciplined, right? they are to the point where they came back hard on them to the point where Benjamin Netanyahu's approval has dropped to maybe 30%. -hmm. So these countries that evidently we're the crazy ones who didn't care about the virus, they're suffering the same thing in percentage. Germany's getting extremely concerned that it's coming back. Spain is being
0: banned from going to other EU nations. What makes you think this virus doesn't have a say in things? Of course it does. And I think a lot of us hoped, I mean, listen, you're not a scientist, I'm not a scientist, but I heard scientists and doctors say, well, maybe in warmer weather, uh, the, the 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 virus you know won't be as robust. Well, it, we also knew that in the in the we we can see it coming, Brian. It's the the flu season is coming. Schools are going to open at some level. The virus is not gone. There is no herd immunity because of the policies that we've pursued. And as a result, this isn't going anywhere. And so the, the only predictions that look like they're right, and this is sad to say, and I don't want to admit this, are the people at the beginning that said nothing's going back to normal until we have a vaccine. And I think a lot of that has to do with fear. I think a lot of it has to do with uh, people people ultimately resign to the situation that we're in. Because I still think we're in a situation where if you're young and healthy and robust, you can manage your own risk threshold and you can protect the people most vulnerable in your life. So We're just not able to do that at this point. You have point. seven
3: kids? between yes. you and Jen, right? Yep. Would they go back to school?
0: Yes. Oh, it, oh absolutely. They are, they are, as of right now, going back to school. Are they in private school? Private school. Uh, well, because I grew up in public school, loved it, but I can't do the indoctrination of it, at least where it stands today. So they're all in variations of Christian or Catholic private school. And the, those schools are saying we'll be open. I actually think a lot of parents are going to reevaluate public schools, not because of the, the indoctrination side, which is my side, but because the unions have such a grip on the risk and fear calculation that parents are saying, I, I can't do another three, four months of virtual. It, I have a job. My husband and wife has a job. Uh, I don't have the fortune of, of working that easily from home. It's It creates another crunch. and And people look around and say, at some level, is this something Democrats want because they know that economic depression hurts the president and helps their prospects? I hope not, but I hear a lot of people saying it.
3: No, to me, there's no question.
0: Yeah, they're just – I mean it, you want to believe people would, would not go to that level, but you see all the evidence in front of you and realize, my goodness, how much the, the, deck, the deck is stacked against President Trump. So listen –
3: uh, I have a lot of teachers listen to me, and they, I got a lot of emails. My, my daughter's a teacher. My, my son's a teacher. I'm a teacher. I'm working hard. We're trying to make this work. Sadly, not as many are that determined. Maybe they're just legitimately uh, concerned. Or if they weren't getting paid regardless, would they be working harder to get started and get online? Teachers union president says they're looking to strike in three states, Texas, Arizona, and Florida. They don't like the protocols that have been set up. You know what I would do <laughs> if I wanted to work? Oh, is that what you have? My principal superintendent, um, call up my teachers. I'm going to make it. Corona friendly. I'm going to get that scientist in my county. I'm going to say, can you meet me at the school? Can we find a way to put arrows on the floor? Can you put these desks at a place in which I can get 20 people in that classroom with proper spacing? Can you tell me a deal I can get to get cardboard to go around the desk to give the kids somewhat of a shield? And this is not new. This is stuff I've seen in other countries. When we see a terror attack in another country, Ray Kelly used to send the NYPD counter-terror force to go study mm-hmm. Jordan and all these places where there was explosion in hotels. Why? Because it's happening here. Why can't we be sending some elite teachers and principals to Germany, to France, to Spain, uh, wherever they're teaching again in Japan and Taiwan? What are you doing? How are you doing it? Th- what is your protocol in case some kid does test positive?
0: That's exactly right, but the pitched political battle is a lot easier. I, I also think it's even simpler. if you're a If you're a teacher who feels uncomfortable or feels like you'll be threatened, don't go to work do what football does do, do what pay. football they give, does they give you a nom- they give you somewhat of a salary one hundred and fifty thousand, to not play yeah and and sooner or later you'll make your own decision based on the evidence before you of the teachers that did go and the, t- the kids that did go uh but i it it these teacher unions are able to take advantage of it now you got democrats with a three trillion dollar stimulus bill that are saying we need more money for schools in order to do this that's always where they go uh, and you, you wonder, you have to wonder that if this was a President Biden, whether the fight would be the same. Instead, here with President Trump, of course, there's a fight.
3: I hope we never find out. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Pete is here. Uh, Pete, as you know, wrote American Crusade, best-selling book, Our Fight to Stay Free. We'll talk about that and more when we come back. And also Pete's in with us on Fox & Friends tomorrow, and then he's got eight hours over the weekend. And he also took an RV trip. Oh, we
0: got to talk about that. Well,
3: my, my thing is, mine's different because I did it almost as transportation. I went there. It was great. We
0: didn't do much stopping. Okay. You actually camped. Yes. It, it was a whole, are we doing it now or in the next segment? Back in a moment.
10: Okay. <laughs> You're with Brian Kilmeade. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News.
2: The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
7: So
3: Brian, have you ever
0: driven an RV before? Never driven an RV before, only been in one maybe four or five times. Just like a truck, basically. You know, hit the, hit the brake, mm-hmm. and then with the right foot, and then you can put it in drive. All right, there's the fine, let's go. <laughs> now, only if I knew where I was going.
3: That's true. Kind of take a left here. Just realized I have the good china in the cabinets. I better <laughs> not make any hard turns. And that was the first time I was in an RV. Welcome back, everyone. Pete Heggseth is here who just took an RV trip. That was for the book tour, Allison. And I guess I did an Instagram or something in it. And I thought it was, wow, a wide open road. What's the problem? Flat roads in Florida? Then starting in New York, the BQE, these tiny lanes. I'm trying to judge these things. These cars these cars are beeping at me. One of my doors on the bottom, those hatches <laughs> popped open. They're pointing to it. I'm like, wow, this guy's really mad at me. He's like, no, your hatch is open. We had to pull over.
0: Oh my! But gosh. it was,
3: it's a lot of fun. It's take, the, I think the country's up 400% in RV purchases.
0: Uh, absolutely. It, it is a ton of fun. I'll tell you, it's like the first time you bring a baby home from the hospital you you're like i'm not qualified for this like there should be some training and when you leave the rv lot you leave with this monster of a truck any bigger than anything you've ever driven because you have all these kids seven yeah and and then you realize you're driving to a house to pick up seven kids and go across the country and we did i know you were going kind of to and from but you stopped i mean yeah yeah we stopped we stopped a lot but stopped we did kind of the campgrounds along the way great and the kids had a ton of fun but you're in the front you have to have seatbelts in the back state laws are different and you're trying to be safe but they're ages. no
3: seatbelts in the kitchen
0: no in the <laughs> kitchen or the living room or the, you know they're playing uno up above you and the cards in the in the thing uh but it's a great way to get out right now oh yeah and and as long as you can stay safe with it you got to figure out if you feel good driving it but uh you know you talked about when those 18 wheelers go by you it's like boom, you're you feel yeah. the shake and yeah, the wind you, gets you too. I, I
3: could never go on automatic pilot. Like when I drive, I don't, Sometimes I don't even know. You, know, my, you just drive. And unless you're jarred into something about to happen, you just drive. You're on automatic yeah. pilot. You think about other things.
0: I couldn't think about other things. That's 20 hours of not thinking about right.
3: other things. But I, I had the two great Pyrenees, so we took a lot of breaks. I, we were concerned about them. Then they they can't wanna... use the bathroom in the RV. That, yeah, not that we could see. <laughs> and plus, I said to the guys, you know what? We don't really have the liquid to neutralize the smell, so let's not use the bathroom. <laughs> so we were stopping. Right. So you, I have I, my kids are, uh, you know, 12th grade now, yeah. second year of college and just graduated. College. That would be a fun age to do. Too. But your your kids, is is you're playing. That
0: to me is a lot of fun, though. It's your fun. Kids love every minute of every it. minute. They're out the back waving at cars and they created a point system in the back. And we're looking up. Is it legal to, for them to do that? One point for a car, two points for a honk from a truck and three points for a, another RV. They come running up and they go, hey, dad, we got a four pointer. I'm like, well, what's a four point? He goes, a cop. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking that might not be good, right? Apparently, he's seen that before. From yeah,
9: evidently, like
0: ours.
3: Yeah, so it's a lot of fun. But see, in a time in which no one's traveling, yep, uh, a lot of time in which maybe you don't feel comfortable, or other countries are banning us, which all of Europe did, yep. Uh,
0: and it's fine. And well, these campgrounds, campground of America, it's kind of like I would describe it as the McDonald's Koa, yeah. yeah, Koa. You just book it online as you're going, roll into your spot, plug it in. Pull out the tent, fire up the grill, and you're all set. And the Fine kids I'm don't like- need anything else. Like they oh, go yeah. jump in the pool or go run in the woods, and you see them a couple hours later. Feed them a hot dog, yeah. and then once they're in bed, then you can have a drink. Yeah, just make sure they're all uh, uh, make sure they're all on the campground. Accountability was something we struggled with, right? Uh, and uh, we, we eventually locked it in.
3: Yeah, okay. it took some practice. All right, Rob. <laughs> uh, thanks so much, Rob. Uh, Rob is on with us from Wisconsin. Hey, Rob.
1: Hey, Brian. Thanks a lot for taking the call. Listen, a couple of quick points. First of all, one on the disinformation on this COVID thing. There were a couple studies out there. I just read an article not too long ago by a Florida doctor who'd been practicing over 30 years. And one of the things that he said in this article was that the Florida Department of Health was requiring, he had a, uh, he had a patient that had died, uh, causes not related to the COVID, but had happened to test positive for the COVID at the time of death. And the health department said, well, if there was a, a positive test, then put that as the cause. On we the hear desk. that all
0: the time. All right? the time. Yeah. Uh, COVID-related. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. And so his point, his point was dying with the, you know, with the COVID does not equate or is not the same thing as dying by it. So that's the first thing. And let me give you a quick example of that. You get a patient that's got COPD, right, happens to test uh, positive for the uh for the virus and then ends up dying? You're going to tell me that the virus was, what killed
3: them? You accelerated it. Uh, I know what you're saying. Thanks so much. That's an underlying condition. What, uh, two of my uh, son's friends were around. One of, the, one of their friends, my, my son's away right now, tested positive. So they all lined up and the line was so long two of the kids left. You know what happened last week? Hmm. They got letters in the mail saying they tested positive. Really? They signed up for the test, never took the test. Whoa! They got two letters back to their house Says they tested positive. <laughs> and this isn't the first time. I'm hearing this a lot. And we know what happened in Orlando where they called up, they said there was a hundred percent positive test from this area. And they said, No, it wasn't hundred percent, it was nine. And then the other remember the Veterans Center, the yep. Veterans Medical Center in yep. Orlando area? They said seventy two percent tested positive, they go, No, it was seven. What do you do with that? How do you interpret that? What do you think of Florida's numbers? If I just told you those two stories that the Fox affiliate came up with, that the
0: medical experts told them it was recorded wrong. And then you add it to dying with or dying from or accelerating. I mean, that's why numbers truly can lie. Uh, There's just no
3: no good side to the story. The market's reflecting that today. And that rescue package that we can't afford couldn't be further away. So, Pete, I don't mean to take you down, but we had a we, had a,
0: we both had good RV vacations. Oh, it was amazing. All yes. right. I recommend it. Perfect.
10: From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him. You love him. You want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
2: From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade.
3: Thanks so much for listening, everyone. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. It was kind of good last hour. I had a chance to have an actual in-studio guest. There's only the two in the last nine months. Pete Hegseth will be with us on Fox & Friends tomorrow. Uh, We're following this story. The president of the United States evidently just tweeted out that we might have to delay the election. After all, we have to do mail-in ballots, right? Everyone's freaking out on that. Shocker. Congressman Mike Johnson will be with us at the bottom of the hour. He was all part of those uh, bar hearings, the most bizarre hostile hearings I've ever witnessed. And Chris Wallace is just getting out of the shower. So let's get to the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three.
1: Number three. I'll just cut to the chase. Big tech's out to get conservatives. That's not a suspicion. That's not a hunch. That's a fact. Conservatives are consumers, too. Everybody should be able to speak their mind.
3: That is uh, some of the fireworks that took place as big tech, big issues, few solutions. The most powerful CEOs in America, maybe the world, Zuckerberg, Bezos, Pinchot, Cook. Talking about privacy, bias. We're talking about fairness, monopoly, all permeating the conversation but what was actually accomplished? What concerns you the most, and what do you think will get done? I have my opinion.
4: Number two.
5: DHS law enforcement presence will remain in Portland until we can be assured that the plan put in place by the governor and the Oregon State Police is working, is effective, and they can continue to do it night after night and keep the criminal and violent activity away from that courthouse.
3: Should we stay or should we go now? I'm talking about places like Portland. I'm talking about places like Seattle. It depends on who you ask, and I'm talking about federal agents. Mixed signals are un- of the un- and the unrest continues, what the states are finally pledging to do and why the trump team is not taking their word for it
4: number
6: one local school officials make decisions about how and when to return dr anthony fauci cited studies yesterday that children over nine years old can transmit the virus just like adults
3: that's a new one corona Seven states had single-day records in the South, and the virus is now worrying cities in the Midwest. Front and center at everyone's kitchen table is how to get kids back to school. What would it take for you to feel comfortable? I am ready to send them now. The unions are likely ready to strike in three separate states. Meanwhile, the new stimulus package, the prospect, dim by the day. Republicans can't get on the same page. Many don't want to spend a dime. Meanwhile, the jobless numbers came in. It's over 1.4 million. Unbelievable series of economic uh, uh, events None of it good, but there's always this. And now
2: it's time to clear the airwaves for the esteemed Emmy-nominated host of Fox News Sunday. I'm not a receptive voice. I, I'm, I I never have liked that. Your one-stop shop for hard-hitting interviews with the 2020 candidates. If I get Joe Biden, I'll be just as straightforward, just as probing.
3: Chris, I hate to tell you, Biden's not sitting down with you. There's no, no way.
2: way. Always confident in his ability to land the big names. Do you want a
3: bet? Yes. Putting everything on the line
2: to bring you both sides of the story. All right, what do we say? How much?
3: I will have to promo your book once an hour,
6: and then I'll mention whatever whatever bestseller
3: you've got once on my. Account. No, no, I, I will be the power you. player. No,
6: always fair and balanced. You're going to mention my book once on the radio, <laughs> and I have to give you three minutes of their time.
3: Believe me, I know I'm going to win. We'll see. We'll
6: see. We'll see. This week, we asked the Biden campaign for an interview, and they said the former vice president
2: was not available. The man who always honors his bets. No. The man who has named Brian Kilmeade this week's power player on Fox News Sunday.
3: No, Chris Wallace. <laughs> hey, <can't
2: we? laughs> that, was, that
6: was great. It was great. It was a total. I mean, this is the essence of fake news. Donald Trump is right. You are the enemy of the American people. <laughs> this is fake but, and, and you took everything out of context. But having said that, it was very clever. And I laughed out loud.
3: Chris, let me just tell you something. I laughed out loud Sunday when you closed the show and said, I asked Joe Biden to for an interview. They have declined. And I'm I thinking to myself, say, I, "Oh, I laughed out loud. I did not
6: say he was going to do it that sunday i said he's going to do it in the campaign i didn't say it was going to be this campaign it might be 20 <laughs> no, <laughs> no but i i still maintain that he will come on fox news sunday in the 2020 campaign and look i've got more time because president trump has just said that he's going to delay the election so you know i could have till february or march of, of next year
3: it is unbelievable donald trump is suggesting uh the 20 uh, an action he cannot he cannot do this but he says, with universal mail-in voting, uh, 2020 will be the most inaccurate forage election in history, Trump wrote. It'll be the great embarrassment to the USA. Delay the election until people can properly, securely, and safely vote. What's your reaction? Why does
6: he do, why does he do that? I, well, he's not, cause he, here's the point. He can't do it. I mean, you know, the deep dives that have been done legally, he can't do it unilaterally. The data set by Congress and the Constitution. Says that there has to be an inauguration on January 20th. So, you know, it, it's. I mean, if he delayed it, he'd be delaying it, and he, and he couldn't. It'd have to go through Congress. He'd be delaying it for a month. Uh, it, it, I, you know, I just don't understand what the upside. I guess he's what he's trying to do is make the point that he thinks mail-in voting is dangerous and fraudulent, and that's a, you know, that's a legitimate case to make. There are two sides to that argument, but. You know, it was Biden in April who said, I bet you, see, he he was making bets, too. I bet you Trump will try to find a way to delay the election. And the president shortly thereafter said, hadn't even thought about it. I promise you those clips are going to be replayed today. <sighs> Uh, Do you you think this helps him in any
3: way? Not sure. I'm never quite sure. He went on to say the Dems talk of foreign influence in voting, but they know that mail-in voting is an easy way for foreign countries to enter the race. Even beyond that, there's no accurate count. I personally... I'm not going to sit there in a think tank with smart people who got PhDs in this. I will tell you that I am not comfortable in the smallest or biggest election with mail-in voting, and I witnessed it uh, with my own family and friends. Because with the local school elections, came out to the house, and we have some people in our area running for the uh, running for the uh, education council. And I go, "Why are you nervous this year?" He goes, "Because they mailed out all these ballots." All these people are going to see that there's a budget. They don't want to spend any money. So the older people are just going to reject the school budget. We're not going to have any budget for any sports. And then I find out that people are saying uh, in, in to various families, yeah, I voted for my kids. My kids were just going to leave the ballot there. So I filled it out and mailed it in. And these are reputable people. I looked at them. I go, are you kidding? You filled out a ballot? Yeah, I just signed it sent them in. I want them to vote. So don't tell me. I know it's not going to happen in the Wallace House, but people listening right now, they know it. Their 19 year old who hasn't voted yet, didn't think it was a big deal. You see that ballot there. You're worried that Donald Trump's not going to win or is going to win. You take things into your own hands. You're a dominating parent, domineering parent. You tell your 18 year old, the senior in high school, I need that ballot. Uh, I'm going to fill that out. Uh, thank you. We're, we're a Biden family. We're a Trump family. I have a huge problem with mail-in voting. If you want to stretch it over a couple of days, I'm fine with that.
4: <laughs>
6: okay. Uh, I I don't know. I I, I don't know. I just it, look. There's a as I say. There's a legitimate question. Don't you have an election in a congressional primary in Long Island that's still the Maloney election that that, that still hasn't been decided?
3: Not sure. I don't. I don't think so. Oh, we still have an election th- in some You're good at this.
6: I th- I, yeah, I, th- I think that there's one that they still haven't got the final results Yeah, that, but that was in June, and this is over a month later, and they still haven't tallied, been able to tally the vote, and I think they're going to throw out a lot of votes, and it was a question of, were they mailed in in time? Did they have a postmark of the day of the, of the, of the, uh, I, I, but I got to say, I'm not sure that the president's saying, let's delay the election, or even, you know, should we delay the election, question mark? I'm not. I don't think that's the way to go.
12: Well, but the, I, the I,
6: I, I don't know. It's a mess. I mean, everything's a mess. But, but, it, I, but, in my take away from this, one, you're a kingmaker. You're sitting there deciding who is going to be on the election. I mean, on the education committee in in uh Central Long Island. And two, you're a dominating parent who tells your kid, "Give me your ballot because I'm going to vote." Yeah, I'm just giving a lot of insight into giving, you.
3: I was giving an example. But Chris, do you wear a mask?
6: <laughs> well right now I'm not but I'm in alone in a room. Do I wear do I wear a mask when I go out? I'm in public? Absolutely. Yeah.
3: Okay. Well, it's not it's not enough. Yes, I do. It's not enough. Listen to this. Cut one.
8: I think we're going to get to a point where eye protection is recommended.
9: You know, it might if you have goggles or an eye f- or an eye shield, you should use it. I mean, uh it's not universally recommended, but if you really want to be complete, you should
3: probably use it if you can. Okay. You wearing goggles?
9: I'm
6: wearing when I am out. You know, I uh, in a place where I'm going to be close because this is that's not new news. I mean, that there's been talk that it can come in through your mouth, your nose, or your uh, or your eyes. I, I wear my glasses. You know, I mean, I'm not I'm not nuts about it. I don't put on Michael Phelps goggles, although I think I'd look cooler if I did. But uh, but yeah, I put on I wear glasses. <sighs>
3: If 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 we were supposed to wear glasses, you're not going to tell me in July. I mean, you, you told you got around to telling me in May about the masks, and now oh, by the way, wear goggles. I finally got the question I was hoping for. These people are winging it. Remember Fauci? I don't think we're having baseball. Okay, thanks, appreciate it. I don't think we're having baseball. Oh, I, don't, I don't see football starting really thank you appreciate it well we've had thirty two teams report to camp
6: wait would you say that baseball which is I guess think on the on the uh underway for a week would you say it's a big success so far
3: yeah uh, in in proportion yeah I mean what well, I, mean, I would one do team
6: is completely shut down I, I I actually think and i I promise you all right this is a, you, mark this allison I promise you they will not conduct a full and I'm I love football more than anything. I mean it is my Sundays and now my Thursdays on Fox and my Mondays nah I don't watch Monday night football so much anymore. I promise you they will not conduct a full NFL season.
3: And I promise you they will.
6: All I will right, absolutely take
3: that bet. So
6: I, so let's 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 do the bet and and you will you will promote countdown nineteen forty five how much?
3: You listen to this Chris. You wanna know what the trifecta would be even though this is only two would be for you that but, um fox has the super bowl and you interview president biden at halftime so you would actually beat me at the biden interview and you would uh i would beat you at the football interview that means the whole season was completed uh but we don't have the fox <laughs> super bowl
6: we don't have the super bowl yeah.
3: but, but, but
6: <laughs> that's but, pretty funny and i'd be there you, i'd look like an idiot i'd be wearing the michael phelps goggles and i'd be wearing the mask and maybe i'd be in a full PPP right. or PPE you know it'd be great <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and i would I watch, scuba, I, I, mean, would I, watch with, I would watch
3: with i would watch with cream abdul jabbar's goggles and a face shield from my welding neighbor and i'd watch uh, <laughs> on the <laughs> i watch on the, and i still wouldn't be safe because i no, walk outside true. of your car. Be
6: safe. And you'd have to wear gloves because right. there's always the possibility of something surface. I don't know. You know I, all you can do is laugh about this stuff, but God, it's, uh, it's...
3: It's dead it's serious. It's crazy. We're in
6: a different world.
3: Right. I want you to hear. So Joe Biden, yesterday, I mean, the other day, what a news day. Donald Trump spoke in the afternoon. Then you had the bar hearings and then Joe Biden decides to take questions after an economic speech that few paid attention to. But he took some questions. And I'll tell you, Chris, I hope you had a pen handy because these questions were so tough. I go, Wallace would do well just to repeat these questions. So when it was time to open it up uh, locally, uh, the questions that came at uh, Joe Biden were fascinating in that. I think we might have crashed. I was trying to buy a little bit of time. I was
6: going to say I had the. I knew exactly what was going on. You expected that you were going to get a piece of clip that they were going to run. You know, run cut fourteen. Cut fourteen disappeared, didn't it?
5: What do you think? You had Eric? these meetings in Dover the last two, or Delaware the last three weeks? I'm just curious why Delaware to be here making these announcements.
0: Mr. Vice President, uh, I want to talk a little bit about your VP pick are you still targeting early august
7: are there specific states right now that you think should halt their reopenings and roll things back
0: the president in his tweets and his campaign and the television ads they're running is warning that if you're president we would see similar scenes throughout the country i wonder how you would
6: respond to that why perhaps should they be voting for you and not just against the president
0: can you Describe your evolution in terms of what you view as achievable uh, if you're elected and sworn in as president. Should there be sports right now, though? Should should Major League Baseball go well, on? Well, it NFL seems to me
3: thing? those would be good if he wasn't running for president.
6: You know, I actually had that question on my list for for the president for President Trump when I did my interview. And I was going, like, "Why the White House? Why did you <laughs> decided to do this in the White House?" <laughs> I, I actually very much considered that, and I thought. I don't know. I mean, he's the president. Why? Of course he's going to do it in the West. I'm, I have a, a, a news break for you. I have a news break for the viewers, the listeners, sorry, of the Brian Kilmeade show. Despite what Biden said, do not, repeat, do not expect the announcement of a vice president, presidential pick next week. It'll be the week after, the week before the convention, to build up more drama. So do not expect it next week.
3: Okay, that's good. Appreciate that. Thank you.
6: Yes, there you go. I'm, I'm right. just... Putting that out there, uh, and you know, and, and you know, one of the questions. I'm, I, hey, can I just Long give you Island? some
3: information? <laughs> Am yeah, I impression this just came across now? Donald Trump just called. Twenty twenty two will have the election. I hope you don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> you and I are a
6: little punchy today, aren't we, <laughs> folks? We take this stuff very seriously, right? But sometimes you do have to laugh at it.
2: I mean, it just—it's so crazy.
3: <laughs> Chris, thanks so much. Back in a moment. <laughs>
10: This is the Brian Kilmeade show. New from the Fox News Podcasts network.
7: My name is Kennedy and welcome to my podcast which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world.
10: You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnews.podcasts.com. Fox Nation presents Podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak.
5: I'm
7: Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts.
2: He's so busy, he'll make your head spin.
9: It's Brian Kilmeade. I talk to the guys in Portland on a daily basis. The Portland PD... The members of law enforcement in Oregon, they wanted to go out there and do the job that had to be done, and they were not allowed. The DHS people, the U.S. Marshals, they want to secure that site. Nobody's yeah. going to tell these guys not to do this. They want to do the job that has to be yeah. done. Um, you know, And I think the president, the president has taken his stand. You're not going to take the courthouse.
3: So Bernie Carrick weighing in on what's happening in Portland. They had 63 days, the 63rd day of protest. They were tear gas last night, flashbangs and fireworks according to an embed reporter there. So there was problems. What led up to that? Earlier in the day, the governor said he talked she talked to the vice president in Portland, uh, and the vice president and she she claims came to a deal that federal agents would be leaving and state troopers, which he refused to put in front of the federal courthouse, would be taking over. However, they said, we're not leaving. We never said we were going to leave. We are going to wait and see to make sure you can secure this place because we don't want to have to come back. And that's where it stood. So day 63 took place. There was some unrest. So there's no sign that things got that much better, just mildly better. So there was no deal done. Here is Chad Wolf, cut seven.
5: I think that language is very irresponsible. Again, she's describing law enforcement officers, civil law enforcement officers, who wake up every day, put the badge on, put the uniform on and protect the community and federal properties as an occupying force and uh, responsible for the violence that we've seen in Portland. And it's exactly the opposite. It's the violent rioters uh, and criminals that we have seen there for over 60 days that are the occupying force uh, in downtown Portland and have caused this violence that we have Seen so, uh, I take exception to that uh, to that language, and I would say all of our uh, men and women, law enforcement officers at DHS, and those inside that courthouse that are risking their lives every day, also uh, take wow. exception to that language. Uh,
3: that and the Oregon's Governor Kate Brown on the federal troops. She said after my discussion with the Vice President, they have acted on occupying force and brought violence starting uh, tomorrow. Meaning today, all Customs and Border Patrol agents, ICE officers will be leave downtown Portland. I'll have to wait to see that. We do have some sad news. Herman Cain has passed away. He got the coronavirus, and he doesn't seem to have recovered. I'm Brian Kilmeade.
10: From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
2: information you want truth you demand this
13: is the brian kilmeade show democrats have asserted here this morning and they continue to say in the media that under your leadership the justice department has become highly politicized why is that a totally unfounded allegation because actually what I've been trying to do is restore the rule of law. And the rule of law is, at essence,
6: that we have one rule for everybody. If you apply one rule to A, the same rule applies to B. I'm supposedly punishing the president's enemies and helping his friends. What enemies have I indicted? Could you point to one indictment that has been under the department that you feel is, is unmerited, that you feel violates the rule of law? One
3: indictment. Uh, That is uh, A.G. Barr in one of the most contentious, ugly, useless hearings that I've witnessed in my life. How does Congressman Mike Johnson feel about that? That was his question. That was civil. That was interesting. The rest was just nuts. He's chairman of the Republican Study Committee, a member of the House Judiciary Committee. Congressman, uh, welcome back.
13: Hey, Brian, thanks. And it really wasn't a hearing, was it? It was more like a series of partisan rants. And I think it's going to backfire fantastically on the democrats they showed who they really are and i think it was a great frustration to everyone who tried to sit through it
3: what surprised you most
13: uh well look first give credit to attorney general Barr for his patience and professionalism i mean he endured it for five straight hours even without a bathroom break. (laughs) So they tried to deny him the the common courtesy that they give to everyone. The Democrats, what was surprising to me, Brian, is that they demanded, they jumped up and down and screamed for the last year. They had to have Attorney General Barr testify before them when when we finally arrange it post-COVID and everything, finally get the schedule for him to get in front of them. They didn't have any substantive question for him at all. It was just Purely for this partisan uh, theater that they had, they had planned. And it was such a shame, such a waste of time, such a frustration to everyone. But, you know, to, again, to his credit, he just did a fantastic job.
3: Right. Uh, defending everything from uh, the coronavirus response to the federal agents in different cities to Roger Stone. It was all there. Here's a listen.
13: Actually, I need
6: to answer that question. Uh, Mr. Attorney
13: General, you did answer the question. No, you I'll said
6: under penalty of perjury. I'm going to answer the damn question. Reclaiming what
13: the, my time. Yeah, reclaiming I'm answering your question. Well, you've got to let him answer.
1: Reclaiming my time. Do you that, think that as that, the chief, reclaiming the my time. From. If you General, want the Attorney General to come, at least let him General, answer the questions General, and the accusations made against him. Can we
5: take a five-minute break, Mr. Chairman?
0: No.
3: I mean, that's what you were talking about, right? I mean, that was basically the whole thing. People kept texting me saying, are you watching this? Are you listening to this? They couldn't believe what they were hearing.
13: Brian, I got the same thing in real time. I had constituents texting me and trying to reach me by phone during the hearing saying, what in the world is going on? Why can't you guys stop this? Well, we're the minority party, right? We have to sit through it. But I didn't want to intervene and and, and stop the the attorney general in doing what he does. A lot of people ask me, Brian, you probably got the same question. Why do they hate the attorney general so much? They treated him like he was some sort of third world dictator or whatever. And here's why. Here's the answer. Attorney General Barr is a serious law enforcement officer. He has a sterling reputation. He is cleaning up the messes of the Obama-Biden Department of Justice and the Comey FBI and the special counsel investigation. And the Democrats loathe him for that. That is the essence of it. He is making the Trump administration look really good. He is the law and justice guy. He is about the impartial administration of justice. They have zero evidence to prove otherwise, and that's why they were so frustrated.
3: Here is what Congressman Madeline Dean, one of your colleagues, said about this session. Cut 16.
7: What I want people to know is we actually have to hold them accountable to the American people. You saw his affect yesterday. He was disrespectful, spoke over top of every one of us. In particular, he spoke over women. Uh, He was flanked by at least 10 staffers, not a person of color among them.
3: So she has a different take than you did, Congressman Johnson.
13: (laughs) That is... That is absolutely comical. She and her colleagues accused the sitting attorney general of the United States of effectively war crimes. I mean, at one point they said that he was basically guilty of homicide uh, because of the, the COVID response of the Trump administration. I mean, it, it is just outrageous. And and Chairman Nadler, uh, for goodness sake, sat through the whole thing, has no control over the hearing, no control over the rules. We tried to interject and just invoke the basic customs and traditions of Of the Judiciary Committee that has this broad jurisdiction and this great history, they're destroying it right before our eyes. And for her to go out and say that, look, (laughs) look, the evidence speaks for itself, as we used to say in the courtroom. Anybody who saw that knows who was right and who was steady and who was true. And that was the attorney general and not the Democrats.
3: I thought you did a great job. I know you play, you, you're helping Donald Trump get reelected, too. But I just want to give you some more re- reaction that came our way. Uh, Congresswoman Jay Powell was extremely obstinate, and she was talking about the president's push and the attorney general making it happen uh, the, to protect courthouses and help, uh, and help these communities that are just uh, out of control with shootings and homicides like Chicago, like Detroit, and uh, maybe possibly even New York. So while begging and pushing to get our federal agents out of Portland and Seattle, even though they clearly are out of control, listen to her. Cut 15.
7: Bill Barr isn't in, uh, you know, in Alabama and Georgia and Florida making sure that those governors are forcing people to wear masks and not reopen too quickly. Those are causing far more deaths to American lives through the spread of covid-19 than, uh, you know, some protesters at some building in Portland, Oregon. So uh, there's just a huge discrepancy in how Bill Barr applies the law. Uh,
3: I I have really struggled to see her point of view in this. But do you?
13: No, absolutely not. That's my same colleague who said just a couple of weeks ago this was going to be the summer of love in Portland. I mean, she is she is completely turning a blind eye. Nadler, remember, he said on Sunday that the Antifa violence in rioting in in Portland is just a myth that's being spread only in Washington. I mean, these are this is comical. Look, what what Bill Barr is doing is he's protecting the federal property and restoring order to these left wing cities run by left wing Democrats, uh, mayors and governors. He has to use federal resources to quell this left wing extremist violence. And and you know what? To, I would say to my colleague, uh, Ms. Jayapal, you know what that does when he when he when he achieves that uh, desired end that everybody needs and, and is, is, uh, is is crying out for? It gives peaceful protesters the right to safely exercise their First Amendment rights. Those aren't peaceful protests. These are lawless mobs and everyone in America can see it.
3: Uh, Congressman, what role do you have with uh, the Trump campaign?
13: i i the the fancy word is i'm a surrogate uh but i'm I'm one of the uh members who is on the team and goes to campaign as as we're able it's really tough in COVID now uh but we're all doing our good work to share the good news of what the trump uh, administration has really done for the country and everybody knows that pre-pandemic brian you know it and we talk about it all the time we we really did achieve the greatest economy in world history i mean this is not an overstatement you know everyone knows uh, that we rebuilt the military we cut regulations cut taxes we that the economy was thriving America was on track Trump was going to win in a landslide i still believe he is going to win uh, and and what we need right now is that kind of leadership to get us back to make america safe again to restore security and safety and stability and, and renew and rebuild all the things that we've lost because of this pandemic. We can do it, but it's certainly not going to be uh, Joe Biden and his progressive team that does it because they will they will kill and do exactly the opposite of everything I just described.
3: Well, that's true. But you're, the economy has shrunk 32 percent. You did add another one, not you, but 1.4 million new jobless claims looking for unemployment. 1.4 million, so it went up slightly again. So it would not experiencing that V recovery, and with school not starting. We're going to feel it again with gyms not opening in almost any state. It's going to be tough with restaurants and hospitality brought to its knees and travel not changing. uh, I see a very depressed uh, American electorate heading to the polls in November. Do you?
13: I do, too, Brian. And so that's what makes it so important for us to draw the contrast between the policies and what these two – uh different candidates would achieve were they elected uh this fall. Look, you know what Joe Biden's going to do? He just admitted what 48 hours ago, he wants to be the most progressive president in history. That is not a good word. What that means is that they'll he's already said he's he's committed to reversing the tax cuts. They wanna install the Green New Deal and new regulations and new government authority over every aspect of our lives. What that will do is drive down innovation. It'll drive down entrepreneurship. It will achieve exactly the opposite ends of what we were able to do before the pandemic. Everybody needs to understand this truly is an election that will decide the future, the survival of our republic. That's not hyperbole. This is very serious stuff. We've never had anybody run for president who has vowed to do the crazy leftist things that this... This candidate is, and and he's got Bernie and 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 Schumer and Pelosi and AOC all right there in the in the driver's seat. It's a really scary thing for the country.
3: So the president tweeted something out that's got the whole country uh, talking. He said, "With universal mail-in voting, 2020 will be the most inaccurate and fraudulent election in history. It will be a great embarrassment to the USA." delay the election until people can properly securely and safely vote the Dems talk of foreign influence in voting but they know that mail-in voting is an easy way for foreign countries to enter the race even beyond that there's no accurate count now the president can't unilaterally do that do you think we should delay the election
13: no I don't I don't think we will and and I think that there's a, a lot of uh you know campaign rhetoric that, that flies around what the president is articulating there is that he's deeply concerned about voter fraud obviously the integrity of the vote and and the ballot box is essential to who we are as americans it, it's a what makes us uniquely american is the faith in that system and and a lot of people are or do have concern about it for lots of reasons because we know the russians are going to try to intervene and because we know in some places there's been ballot fraud we know that you know ballot harvesting in california is infamous We have to safeguard the system and make sure those things don't happen. I think that's what the president is trying to get out there, to draw attention to it. And and (laughs) he has a way of tweeting that draws attention to everything better than anybody on the planet.
3: Look, if we can go to Target, if we can go to food shopping, uh, we are able to do a lot of things. We should be able to vote. We've already seen it done locally. And I think that I do not want to see mail-in ballots. I don't care what anything tank says. It is so easy to screw with that election and to think we're actually going to get a result election night is folly if everyone's using mail-in voting
13: yeah and these are not these are not campaign talking points that you and i are saying here this is the evidence i'm a lawyer i deal in evidence i want to see the proof and we have the proof where this has been tried where they go to universal mail-in ballots and all that it's a disaster every time it's tried and they can't Prove otherwise because the evidence is out there this is not theoretical stuff we're talking about we can point to the experience of some states in this this country and and obviously to issues overseas so we've got to jealously guard against that we have to protect the integrity of the system because look Brian at the end of the day people are losing faith in our institutions and in a constitutional republic a government of by and for the people as Lincoln said you have the people have to have some faith that the institutions are above all this; that they are going to survive; that's the foundation of the country. And and when we lose faith in those things, uh, we're, we're in a dangerous place. That that's why this, the stakes are so high right now.
3: Congressman Mike Johnson, thanks so much. It, it, this the whole thing, all this stuff is coming out. It like a hurricane, uh, and you're able to withstand it. Appreciate it.
13: Thank you, my friend. Good all talking right. to you.
3: Uh, we're watching the funeral of uh, Representative John Lewis. We know that President Obama will be there and speak and give the eulogy. President uh, Bush will be there, I imagine the Clintons as well. Uh, and I do have to tell you the sad news that Herman Cain has passed away at the age of 74. He seems to have gotten the coronavirus at the Tulsa event. He did not wear a mask. He is a cancer survivor, stage four cancer. Uh, and he was unable to get his uh, respiratory system back in line on a ventilator and has just passed away at the age of 74, a self-made success story that the president wanted on the fed board but he decided to withdraw his name said i couldn't take the pay cut and that's news the other news is about the president saying maybe i'll delay the elections as everyone's hairs on fire at uh, james you're listening on the app in new jersey hey james james what's on your hey, mind
13: man, how you doing good yeah so he he's got these guys all twisted up in a pretzel he's saying that purposely because he's a master chess player right he's thinking seven steps ahead so when he
14: wins the election and the Dems are you know, flipping out about he stole it, he cheated, he's going to be able to say that, hey, I told you guys to,
13: to postpone it. So it's a lose-lose for the Dems and the Libs for him pulling
3: that out. Good move. If it is a move, you know, that's pre thought. If that if that's the backstory, it does it does take the whole what do you mean, Mr. President, you don't want to accept mail in ballots? I don't want to do it. There's no way I want I'm fine with absentee ballots. That's about a million people. I'm not fine with a hundred million Americans voting at home and mailing it in through our postal system and believing that it's gonna get there unmarked and unmolested. I just don't believe it. Uh, And maybe you want to disabuse me of that. So there's a lot of breaking news. We'll cover it all, including what New York has just done on their own when it comes to testing. You'll like that story when we come back on The Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: Giving you everything you need to know. It's Brian
10: Kilmeade. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at FoxNewsPodcasts.com.
2: From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade.
3: Welcome back, everybody. Got a few minutes here, and here's the test. Uh, The New York Post has it. The New York City doctors have developed a rapid, non-invasive test. You get it back in 30 minutes, and you don't need a swab. You need saliva, which I believe we all have. Columbia University's Fertility Center actually came up with it. They use a person's saliva to screen for COVID-19. Small sample placed into a tube containing enzymes and a compound that cause a chemical reaction. If we could get this within 30 minutes, this would help sports help us. And it's got to be accurate because we cannot wait five, six days with the reagent and the swab. Hard-getting swabs, hard-getting reagents. This would be amazing. And as usual, New York is coming up with it, uh, which is pretty cool. There's also something negative happening in New York. If you walk the streets, not only do you not see businessmen and women, not only do you not see restaurants, you see homeless everywhere. They're not being tended to. Obviously, some of them are mentally ill. Many of them are dangerous. So many are on drugs. And these hotels are being converted into these now drug dens, good hotels. That's the brainchild of this mayor. Now, if you don't live in New York, appreciate that this stupid idea could be coming to you if it's not there yet. Lawrence Jones walked the street. Streets, heard from the neighborhood. Listen to what he got, Lawrence Jones from Fox. Listen. Three months they've been here. Since the shutdown, they've been here
12: every single day, and they just shoot up in the open. Shoot up. What do the leaders do as a result of this? Nobody, nothing. nothing. What do you think about, about New right? York then compared to San Francisco and Skid Row? It's getting there. It's getting there. Absolutely. What do you blame for all of this? The mayor. The mayor De Blasio. He's responsible.
11: Absolutely.
3: There's more. And that's of people in these hotels. Think about this. You live in an apartment building. Maybe some of you rent or you lease. Next thing you know, they're being leased by the city to people who uh, have no interest. I don't care if you have the biggest heart in the world. you got to keep your family safe. Listen to this.
7: Are you concerned?
11: I'm a bit concerned, especially as a woman at night, because I work at night and I come home late and just during the day, I just saw one guy help another totally out-of-it
7: guy across the street. Yeah. must have been drugged. The whole dynamics of the community have changed. I've been living here since the early 80s, and I've seen so many drug deals go down. Right, but right. I, don't want, I don't want those days to come back.
3: Yeah, yeah, either do I. Uh, I lived it. I was in high school and college. I watched it being transformed. It became the safest city in the world. Where's Mike Bloomberg in this? Rudy Giuliani's outraged. Bernie Kerrick's outraged. Ray Kelly is off the hook. Where is Mike Bloomberg? He was there for 12 years. So I got to read this statement. So uh, the thing making news right now, outside from uh, Congressman Lewis's funeral and the president's presence in attendance is the president's comment that maybe he'll delay the election because everyone wants to do mail-in voting. Uh, This is from the campaign, Trump's. The president is just raising a question about the chaos Democrats have created with their insistence on mail-in voting. They are using coronavirus as their means to try to insulate universal mail-in voting, which means sending every registered voter a ballot, whether they ask for one or not. Voter rolls are notoriously full of bad addresses for people who have moved or non-citizens or who are deceased. Universal mail-in voting invites chaos and severe delays in results. And I'll tell you this, my mom passed away in 2018. Guess what she got in the mail? A ballot. And guess what else she got? $1,200. Think about that. That's how organized they are.
0: Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.
2: Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox & Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade.
3: Hi everybody, Brian Kilme. Thanks so much for listening. It's a crazy day right now. Uh, first off, the sad news: uh, Congressman Lewis uh, will be buried today, and of course, President Obama will be giving the eulogy. It'll be great. President Clinton's in attendance, and I think President Bush will be there as well. Civil rights uh, in his twenties, a civil rights activist throughout his life and career, longtime congressman. So uh, this has been over the last week or so. So this will continue. It's strange to watch see these presidents walk in with masks, but that's just the uh, part of life. We're covering that sad news about Herman Cain passing away at the age of 74, seems to have contracted coronavirus perhaps at the Tulsa event for the president. He was compromised because of cancer going in, was not able to recover his uh, respiratory um, system, was unable to recover, was unable to get off a ventilator and just passed away. So we're following that story. And the president's headline is today saying maybe we're going to have to delay the election if Democrats continue with this mail-in voting. Let's get started.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three.
1: I'll just cut to the chase. Big tech's out to get conservatives. That's not a suspicion. That's not a hunch. That's a fact. Conservatives are consumers too. Everybody should be able to speak their mind.
3: Here we go. Big tech, big issues, few solutions. The most powerful CEOs in American business testified on Capitol Hill, Zuckerberg, Bezos, Pinchu, and Cook. Privacy, bias, fairness, monopoly all permeated the conversation. But what was even accomplished? What concerns you, if anything? What would you like to see done now? Number two.
5: DHS law enforcement presence will remain in portland until we can be assured that the plan put in place by the governor and the oregon state police is working is effective and they can continue to do it night after night and keep the criminal and violent activity away from that courthouse
3: Uh, Chad Wolf weighing in. Should we stay or should we go when it comes to Portland and Seattle? I'm talking about places like Portland and Seattle specifically, but there are other states and cities, too. But it depends on who you ask. And I'm talking about federal agents. Mixed signals as unrest rains again last night, day 63 in Portland's case. What the states are finally pledging to do and why the Trump team is not just taking their word for it.
4: Number one
6: local school officials make decisions about how and when to return. Dr. Anthony Fauci cited studies yesterday that children over nine years old can transmit the virus just like adults. Huh.
3: Where do we go from here? Corona. Seven states set single day records in the number of cases and viruses now worrying cities in the Midwest. Front and center at everyone's kitchen table is how to get kids back to school grandkids relatives neighbors what would it take for you to feel comfortable i have some great listeners some of which are not comfortable i am comfortable i am ready now unions likely are not ready i hope their 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 motivations are pure i think not meanwhile new stimulus package prospects seem to be sinking and the markets reacting and we'll discuss that and we'll take some of your calls here so I was. Uh, let's talk coronavirus. First off, I believe that the big issue right now is getting back to schools and getting these schools ready to open. Some are opening up, the private schools especially. Pete Hagseth on with me on Fox and Friends and a guest earlier on this show. Came out and said, my kids are getting ready. Mayor de Blasio says, I'm going to announce today of New York how New York's going to get ready. I mean, what excuse does New York and New Jersey and Connecticut have for not opening up schools? The cases are down, ridiculously low, and my fingers across say stay low. But our bad hit in the spring, it's been a very good summer for the coronavirus here. Nobody's working. That's part of it. The city is totally empty. The kids need to go to school. Teachers need to teach. What is the plan? Already, teachers unions are talking about strikes in three separate states. Texas and Florida and Arizona are the three we hear about. Need to get kids back to school. So Dr. Burks, who's one of the nicest people seemingly you're ever going to meet, and the president's really counting on her, he, she's the one who told the president millions will die unless we shut down the country. The country's shut down, and we're having a heck of a time getting off its back. Now 30, our economy shrunk 32%. 1.4 million more people just apply for jobless benefits. So I'm talking to Dr. Burks about getting back to school Listen to it. Tell me how. Tell me about this conversation. Tell me what you think about this portion of our conversation. Cup five. Do you believe even in the hottest spot, there's a way to get kids back to school safely? Being that their transmission uh, is so low, the chances of them getting it is so small.
7: Well, first, let's go back to those two statistics. One, we don't. We know from examples around the country that children do get infected. What we do know is they do better by and large. The question about whether they are less transmit, transmit the virus less is still un- an open debate. We have one study. It's not done in the United States. And I think that still is an open question. When You're talking about putting children back in school, the teachers, the grandparents that are home in multigenerational. Dr. Burst, households- can I stop
3: you there? I heard I mean, we've heard from experts who say it's almost impossible for kids to spread this to other kids and to adults. You're saying that's not true at all.
7: We have that one study in South Korea which showed that precise fact. What I can't tell you is in United States, do I have an example, positive or negative, that confirms that study? And I think you know, as scientists, we like to have always more than one so that they're more what we call asymptomatic and more likely to spread the virus without them knowing that they have symptoms. What we can do as Americans, if we want our children back in school, is we can help this country by everybody doing what the president has asked. Wear a mask, socially distance, avoid gatherings where you cannot socially distance and wear a mask like bars and house parties, and this will bring down these case numbers.
3: By the way, did she mention protests? Mm, She didn't. I guess we cut her off early. No, wait a second. She didn't mention it at all. We didn't cut her off. Protests never seem to get in these doctors' minds. So if you are purely not politically motivated, you would think the protests would concern them. What they witnessed in Portland for 63 days has them worried. What they see happening with these rallies around the Columbus statue, which has to come down immediately for us to have any type of uh, civil, to have the civil unrest come to a close. Nobody ever is concerned about that. They're just concerned about the parties. So I'm stunned that she said this. I thought we agreed on this. I did not know we had to go back to Korea to get an example of how kids transfer or don't transfer the virus. I believe Europe is back in school right now. Can we call 1-800-GERMANY and ask? Maybe Kissinger will help us with the translation. Here's what Dr. Scott Atlas told us from the Hoover Institute.
1: Listen. I never hear anyone talk about the harms of closing schools. The harms are against the children. Anyone who prioritizes children would open the schools. That's just counterfactual to say, that, uh, you know,
13: the children are not the risk or, you know, we're at risk here. When we see the harms to children, most children uh, learn most of what's in school from social engagement, from learning how to uh, resolve conflicts, from dealing with others. This is obvious. When children learn that they need a hearing aid or glasses, that's done in school. There are over almost a quarter of a million apparently reported child abuse cases missed because children's child abuse is most noticed in the schools.
3: Should we bring that up? If I'm a scientist, can I actually bring that up and balance it out? But instead, Dr. Fauci's telling me I got to wear goggles now. They tell, take your time now. I got to wear a mask. Uh, And... If we only shut down the entire country, not 50 percent of the country, we'd be out of this by now. There's no way that's the case. We will find out in years later that we destroyed our economy in many respects for no reason. I think the Sweden model is going to turn out to be the one that works. They already didn't shut down their economy. Their cases are decreasing and they're in school. I don't know what else you expect us to do. Everybody I know has sacrificed whether they lost their job, laid off from their job, uh, were told to you're, you're furloughed or working in conditions that are unsavory or not going to work at all and still getting paid. And now we find out that is just not enough. Incredible. Um, we're going to come back uh, with uh, secretary of housing. Uh, the HUD, Secretary of HUD, Ben Carson, then Greg Gutfeld at the bottom of the hour put us in perspective. We'll monitor the eulogy if uh, Barack Obama comes up to start it for Congressman Lewis. And we do have that sad news about the passing of Herman Kane. We have all the breaking news here on the Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: Expanding your knowledge base. It's Brian Kilmeade.
10: It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News.
2: A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade
3: Show. Uh, we're waiting for uh, Secretary Carson to join us, and we are going to be with him shortly. We're also monitoring the prayer, the final, the funeral, I should say, of Congressman King with President uh, Clinton, Bush, and Obama there. It's pretty extraordinary time the presidents get together. Right now, uh, uh, Bernice King is uh, reading uh, something from the Bible, and we do. Uh, we are going to be talking to Greg Gutfeld at the bottom of the hour. Uh, let's go to Bill. It's on WABC in Brooklyn. Hey, Bill.
13: Good morning. Um, I'm a Trump voter, no matter what. But I think his uh, one of his motives is trying to delay the uh, election, might be in hopes of getting a coronavirus uh, uh, serum <laughs> or cure, which would help him.
3: Largely, well, so he can't really do it on don't his own. When he's, up,
2: he's very shrewd.
3: I, I think what you know, you're not. I'm not saying that's not. Would your theory is not without merit, but it's more likely that he's saying, "You want to do mail-in voting? I think I'm going to delay the whole thing." So it's a pushback, yeah. an aggressive pushback on the push to uh, to shove mail-in voting down our throats. When we all know, yeah. if we could go to Target and Home Depot, we could go mail, we could go vote. We know how to stand on a line six feet apart. So this is ridiculous that we can't go vote. If you want to extend and make it a two-day voting system, do it. But you're that worried about the sanctity of our vote with the Russians getting in our voting machines, but we're going to let the postal system take my ballot uh, to hell and back? Forget it. So I, I, I think that's more than, more, than, uh, more than likely it. Let's go out to Terry Listen on WDBO in Orlando. Terry.
4: Hey, Brian. Hey. Um, I am from Central Florida and I'm registered Republican. Last week, um, I got a flyer from the Republican, Florida Republican Party that had two applications for me to fill out to be mailed in to get an absentee ballot. I called, I never requested this. I called the Florida Republican Party, lady who answered. I said, look, this is a situation. I received this. Why are you guys sending this out? This is only going to lead to voter fraud. She said, oh, I didn't know we were sending them out. I said, well, you might want to check with that because it is leading to fraud. It's going to lead to fraud. So I hung up with her, and I called the RNC in D.C., and I talked to someone there, and I said, look, I didn't request this. If I lived in a house with, let's say, liberal teenagers, or I had a brother-in-law living with me that's a lib, I didn't request this. I don't expect it to come in my mail. Somebody else gets it out of my mail. They fill it out. They send it in. My absentee ballot comes. They fill it out. I have no idea this has happened. I go on November 3rd because I wear my Trump stuff and go vote proudly so people can see me. And they say, well, ma'am, you already voted.
3: Terry, that's really disturbing. Uh, I'm really worried about what's going on in Florida. I hear all these disturbing things, even when it comes to these COVID tests. Thanks so much for the call. Uh, Secretary, uh, Secretary Ben Carson joins us now. Mr. Secretary, welcome, to the, welcome back to the Brian Kilmeade Show.
12: Thank you. Always good to be with you.
3: I just don't know if you wanted to weigh in on the passing of Herman Cain.
12: Yeah. Uh, well, Herman was a friend, and uh, it's very sad. I, I saw him at the White House maybe about five months ago, and he was, he was the pitcher of health and uh, really feel for his family right now.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And of course, Congressman uh, King is being uh, eulogized right now by President Obama with President Clinton there, and we'll we'll monitor that as it moves along. Uh, First off, on the President's announcement that he said, you know what, I might delay the vote rather than accept mail-in balloting right now if it's that unsafe. What is your take on that?
12: Well, obviously, the President can't do that. (laughs) Congress would have to do that. But I think the point that he is making is that this is a system that is ripe for corruption. And it's not like there isn't historical evidence of that occurring. And this is much too important an election uh, to ignore this. Uh, You know, we're not really talking about Democrats and Republicans this election. We're talking about whether we want to uh, maintain and improve upon the best system in the world or do we want to switch to something else?
3: So yesterday the president made some news when he came out and talked about this, this move when it came to housing right up your alley. He told suburban voters in a tweet on Wednesday they'll be no longer be bothered or financially hurt by having low-income housing in their neighborhoods. And his admit, administration revoked an, an Obama-era housing rule. What's the rule? And what, what do you say to people who say they see racial discrimination in that statement?
12: Well, the rule is uh, affirmably furthering fair housing, which is a statutory requirement that was part of the Fair Housing Act of 1968. And it just says you need to affirmably further fair housing. The previous administration uh, decided that they would define that in a very complex way, which required voluminous amounts of data on everything from housing to schools to transportation uh, to you know nutrition I mean it just was incredibly broad and sweeping and uh, it was so onerous to comply with that many jurisdictions were calling us and saying we can't possibly do all of this we have to hire all these people Uh, we have to pay all this money and they just couldn't do it and uh, the 49 who initially attempted to comply with it, of that 49, only about a third were able to get it right. That's how complex it was. And then we had to uh, administer technical assistance to help the others. For those just those 49 cases, it cost $3.5 million in technical assistance from HUD and uh, there are 1,200 <laughs> jurisdictions, not just 49. So you can you can see that this is really kind of untenable. So we tried to make it less complex, but it was still too complex. So we just said, you know, let's take this down and replace it with something that is very simple, that is consistent with our federalist uh, roots, and that is allowing the various jurisdictions to determine for themselves Uh, how they were going to manage the way that the people who live in those areas, who actually are the people who vote them into office. it makes a lot more sense. Now, some people take what the president did as uh, an indication of racism, that, you know, we don't want people from the city to move to the suburbs. We don't want minorities in the suburbs. But there was a Brookings study not long ago uh, looking at the demographic composition of suburbs and the 100 largest metropolitan areas it discovered that 35 percent of the suburban inhabitants were members of racial minorities, 35 percent. And in uh, Las Vegas, San Francisco, Houston, and Washington, D.C., that number rose to more than 50 percent of the suburban inhabitants, so to, to try to make it into a racial issue, Okay. Is uh, not uh, consistent with the facts.
3: And we only got thirty seconds left, but this is an anniversary—one year anniversary of the FBI, FYI program. Getting foster youth to live independently—you got to be proud of that.
12: We're very proud of that. Uh, These uh, young people, about 20,000 of them age out of foster care each year with no support system at the most critical time in their life. And this is to give them those services that will set them on the trajectory to self-sufficiency. Love it. That's what this is all about. Making
3: a real impact. Secretary Carson, thanks so much. Greg Gutfeld next.
2: A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. When I heard right. Kilmeade's voice, I'm like, God, why does he have to
14: ruin everything? Dear Greg, I love you. <laughs> Call me. Kilmeade. <laughs> the dream that I have most often is I'm in a lifeboat with Dobbs and Kilmeade. Oh. And, and me and Dobbs are waiting for Kilmeade to fall asleep oh so we can God. butcher and eat him. Aww. I have real celebrity friends.
7: Kilmeade. Kilmeade. Well, he's oh. not a celebrity. Ooh! Ooh.
14: Ooh. Wow. I'm gonna wrap. I that love up. his new hairpiece, yeah. though. It's so funny that you do a show called Fox and Friends when you're neither a fox and you have no friends. I just wanted to see how big the crowd is. This is definitely bigger than Kilmeade's. Yeah. <laughs> this is from Henry. How do you all react to an autograph request? You know what I do? I will sign it as Brian Kilmeade, and then I'll swear at him. <laughs>
3: That is just some of the things that reveal that Greg Gutfeld has an unhealthy obsession with me. Uh, and and I say that because he's on the line. He's got a brand new book yes. out. That's the only reason he'd wake up this early. It's called yes. The Plus, Self-Help for People Who Hate Self-Help. Best title I've heard in a while by a truly terrible person. Greg, welcome back.
14: Yeah, you know, by the way, you said unhealthy obsession. An unhealthy obsession would be no obsession. So this is actually a healthy obsession and that it's vibrant and robust and it will never stop. It'll, it's going to follow you to your grave, Kilmeade. And um, that's kind of the point of the book. For uh, It could be a positive force in people's lives, including yours.
3: But I don't see the po How do I gain from this? <laughs> I, I, just, I see don't no personal I
14: mean, gain. I, America gains from my constant brutal attacks on you in, in their lives. It's a plus, right? So every day I'm faced with a choice. Can I make America better or worse? And I realize that by coming after you, America just becomes a slightly better place
3: because they look at me and say, I'm just glad I'm not him.
14: Yes. Right. There you go. Very interesting. Go. And by directing my ire at you, it, it drains me of my anger so that I can be a positive force for the 325 million other people.
3: Except one.
14: am <laughs> not, no comment.
3: Right. So he is, uh, Greg Gutfeld, this book is excellent. Best title I've heard in a while, at least subtitle, The Self-Help Book for People Who Hate Self-Help. But Greg, I've noticed this in all seriousness. Since the pandemic started, you've been zoned in. In a different way, creative, still funny to a degree, but insightful. Yes. What this pandemic is different than not only for us, obviously our lives, but for you writing commentary, what's been the challenge?
14: It's I mean, you're actually right for once. And uh, uh, I don't know. I think what happened is I was kind of like faced with a couple of things. One that I could I could exit the covid pandemic 40 pounds heavier or forty pounds lighter, or you or I could I could end, exit this as a minus or a plus. So I started adapting and changing my life in a way of, uh, you know, the gym's closed, so I couldn't go to a gym, so I knew I was going to get fat, so I got a bike, a Peloton, so that, so, yeah. and I, and I cre- it, it, it's it's literally changed my life, and it's and the positive nature of it kind of like bleeds into other aspects. I changed my diet; I'm basically Paleo. And um, and then I tried I I, I tried to, to pick up some other hobbies, uh, you know, I, I'm relearning electric guitar. I'm going to get lessons. I bought a tactical shotgun and now I'm learning to shoot. I'm trying to do a bunch of different things. I got an electric bike, which helps my brain. And and I'm trying to kind of observe my moods, which I know are super erratic and also know that they're being affected by this kind of bizarre phenomenon. And how do you. How do you respond to it? It hasn't been, you know. I I, honestly, it hasn't been good for programming. I mean, I think you know my show and the five. It's it's hard to do in different because shows that are based on chemistry, you know, unlike Fox and Friends, uh, shows based on chemistry. We've lost the chemistry. We've lost yeah. that ability to make fun of each other, and, and 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 so now it just looks like we're just talking over each other. When in fact we're not. It has to do with the tape delay, but it dry, it's very frustrating. And um,
3: I hated it. I, I, I'm so glad we're in studio now.
14: Yeah, but you know, I, we're not in studio yet. Well, I am. Is, yeah, lucky you. But I think I think I'm going to have to. I think I'm going to return to the studio, but I'll probably be alone, which is what I did for I don't know two or three months. I think I was in. Uh, st- studio on the second floor by myself. And it was very odd because, you know, people come in, they wash it down. Everybody stays away from you. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a fairly big production about, about isolation, you know, and, it, and there's nobody on the floor. It's
2: weird.
3: Everything's weird. Well, I walk through the city and no one's working. It is just vagrants and homeless. And I'm not kidding. Sad. Uh, so no, I
14: know you're not, I, you know, it's, it's, um, I made a joke that it reminds me of the 70s, but not the 1970s, just the 70s AD, because it's just like <laughs> everything's out in the open. Um, uh, there's there's drug trade, there's sex trade, there's gibbering m- mentally ill people that need help. Uh, there are just and, and because it's hot outside. They're just people flat out sleeping. And And again, it's like, you know. I guess this isn't really positive. <laughs> I was going to tie it back into the book and go, you know, there's just no way to tie that back into right. the book. It's so, too sad. So what, we've kind of lost – we've abdicated our moral fortitude in this in this world, you know?
3: True. Stuff. Uh, a lot. And there's a lot of stuff going on even today. Right now, President Bush is speaking at Congressman Lewis's funeral. Uh, President Clinton, mm-hmm. I imagine, will be next. And then President Obama shows the impact that he's had. Herman Cain passed away at the age of 74. That's big news. Oh, wow. Yeah, it just happened. Yeah, coronavirus.
9: Oh, and
14: my God. I, didn't yet know, I did not know that. That's too bad. Yeah, it just he happened. Was red, he was a red-eye guest.
3: Yeah, he was funny. Oh. And a self-made yeah. success story. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. So, wow. But for your book in particular, you took action. The first thing I did when the health clubs closed, um, as you could tell, you've never seen me shirtless, but I've never not worked out four or five days a week unless I was injured. Uh, and mm-hmm. you also were a weightlifter. There's pictures of you almost like a, you were a bodybuilder for a while. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I did when this thing happened and Jim shut down is order the Peloton. It took three weeks. But yeah. I imagine you on the Peloton – not buying into the positive talk that they're giving you. I imagine you being cynical. Come on. What's so great about biking, but instead it's you so, bought into it. I can't I believe into it. it because I, uh, and I think this the re- people I know
14: probably get tired of me talking about this, but it's Peloton is a model for the future of education. You know, education. We just, we hear a droning teacher in a short sleeve shirt, you know, talking about arithmetic when in fact you could have a charismatic, Incredibly trained, almost like a a host, tell uh, give you a class, and that's what Peloton is. Peloton took the gym and brought it into your house with charisma and personality and energy, and also skill. These are skillful uh, persuaders, and like I am absolutely enthralled by Hannah Frankson. I just think that she could be everybody's best friend. I love Cody Rigsby, and I and and uh, there's there's a few that are really annoying. But there, there's a few that are great. But the, the point is, is that they've kind of revolutionized education through. By, but the, the the variable is exercise. So imagine if somebody did this with math or philosophy or engineering, and, and meaning that you hire charismatic people, you train them to teach, and then it's online, and you don't need you don't need these terrible classes where everybody's right. being trained by somebody who doesn't want to be there.
3: Uh, a couple you of know? things, I think most people that keep telling me these stories had terrible teachers. I must have just lucked out. I've had mostly really good teachers, me even too. my college I mean, pro- you know my college professors also that really got me into history. I had such great political science teachers that it turned into more history classes, but yeah. I don't think so. But here's you were, why you were
14: very bright. you weren't a bright student like me. see, I was smarter than my teachers, but you were probably very slow,
3: yes, so you're not very probably... not very, but I don't know how you define <laughs> slow uh but but, uh, but Greg, he, here's the thing. You need human interaction. This is where I got to push back on you. I know right. that I could understand. People are missing the human interaction. I agree. And now, yesterday, look what we found out. I don't know if you had this for the five. So, we finally, after the spring passed, Fauci thought, by the way, it's an emergency, wear a mask. Okay, thanks for slipping yeah. that in. Now, listen yeah. to this. Cut one.
8: I think we're going to get to a point where eye protection is recommended.
3: Mm-hmm.
9: You know, it might, if you have goggles. Or an eye thing yeah. or an eye shield you should use it i mean uh it's not universally recommended but if you really want to be complete you should probably use it if but, you can
3: do you have an eye shield laying around yeah. no but i've seen them
14: at and I, I i buy that idea like in a food service i don't even know okay so is the eye shield protecting your eyes or protecting other people's eyes like is it the fluid
3: from your eyes? No, i don't know what time is it
14: like your nose is <laughs> running like my nose runs that does that. Should I wear a nose seal? I guess that that's a mask, obviously. So I think it's about so I think I just answered my own question that it's about protecting others from fluid from your eyes. Or is it like people sneezing into your eyes? Uh, I don't know, because I, 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 I honestly don't know. But he, remember that one that one sentence he said to make it complete. And I think that's that's something that is like like. That's the key here is like if you want to be complete, but you don't have to be complete. And I, it's almost like having like a, an extra airbag in your car in a, in, a, in, a, in a place in the rear or something. I don't know. how, But it's not entirely the it's not it's not on the same level as a mask, but it does sound absurd. Like we're going to be walking around in goggles. Why don't just wear sunglasses? I don't know.
3: No, we're going to have we're going to have sealed eye sockets. And yes. you, I know right now, when I go out, and I'm actually taking the train, when I go out and take yeah. the train, there are going to be people with goggles. And in two or three weeks, most people will have goggles. And that's going to yeah. be required. Why? I mean, what is going on? I mean...
14: it it It's one... of Okay, so every single thing that Fauci has said has either been somewhat right or somewhat wrong, because yeah. this is new. In the beginning, he told us that this was going to be not a big deal. He, he poo-pooed, if that's a word, uh, masks, because he wanted to protect the supply of masks. And this, and then there was a lot of people saying like, oh, masks don't work. I mean, or you don't need to wear masks. And they were medical professionals. But then we find out that they were probably lying to protect the supply. And then there are people that were medical experts that were saying, you know, oh, I think even Fauci said continue going on cruises. I think that might have even been in April. And I was, as you know, I was an early panicker. I mean, I was the first person I think might, might have been, maybe Cavuto might have been though, to, on on Fox to really start yelling, uh, acting like a crazy person on the Five when I was saying that we need to shut down travel, and that was a week I believe before they actually shut down travel from China. But I was, and, and a lot of people thought that I was nuts. But um, that was back in January. Uh, so you know, nope. This is the reason why I, I think you have to forgive people for making mistakes and making I- exaggerated safety claims because it's new and we don't know what we're doing and we're going to have to look back at this and, you know, but the one people, the people I always say kill me that I will not listen to are the people early on who had no skin in the game, who didn't take a risk and pass judgment. I like if somebody, if if a person said, I I think we need to get back to work, get back to work now. And they turn out to be wrong. At least they took a risk. I don't like the people that said nothing and now come back and say, aha, you were wrong. Well, You know, we all have a potential to be wrong when we make a choice and a decision. And at least you made a decision. Leaders make decisions.
3: I'll I'll take. I I like that insight. Uh, I will grab that. And by the way, there's the Swedish models out there. Their cases are decreasing. Their economy is not fine, but it's pretty good. Ours is not. We've we've contracted 32% at 1.4 million into the job claims. You'll get these numbers when you, uh, by the five, but this is all real. The pain is ridiculous. Uh, And now we're debating and suing each other not and to go to school, so we are in a, a pretty much of a low point, but Greg, you're doing a couple of things I want to get the word out on. You're doing the most, because I had the paperback come out, and not real, a lot of pressure to promote because you can't promote. You're doing something mm-hmm. really unique. You're trying to get word out about your book, uh, The Plus, called Self-Help for People Who Hate Self-Help, and you're doing it in a drive-in fashion. Can you tell people <laughs> more how to find out about this?
14: Yeah, it's going to be, I think it's August. 16th or 17th, I can't remember. But if you go to my website, it's at Yarmouth Drive-In in in Cape Cod. And so I'm going to be on stage. I think Tom Shalhoub is going to be with me. And it's like, I think it's going to be like 450 cars. And we're trying to write, this is going to be really new. I don't know if anybody has done this yet. Probably comedians have, but as a book thing, I don't think anybody's done it. And we're going to like try to figure out a way that people can applaud without honking their horn.
3: Ah. (laughs) <laughs> okay, yeah. it's, good. it's definitely an interesting section for a Fox guy uh, to go. Yes, definitely. But you it like challenges, so Greg. And the yeah. one takeaway from your book that you the, the reason why you wrote it because it takes so much effort to write uh, this. You're not writing about a person. These are your thoughts. So, what what is the one takeaway you want your your fans to know about it?
14: I think that you have control over your psychological problems. I mean, that many many problems that you think are out of your control are psychological. And with a little guidance on your decisions, you know, which path to take, uh, you, can comp- you can provide what, 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 I, what I guess you'd call a top spin to your decision-making. You'll make better decisions if you kind of see that you have more control over them. And my, the idea of the plus is, is basically, you know, every, what can I do to be a plus with every decision I make, whether it's talking to Brian Kilmeade or helping America in general?
3: How nice. Love it. Yeah. Greg, uh, August 16th at eight o'clock. Yeah. So please don't be late. That's when it is. August, August 16th. All right. Allison yeah. had to look that up for you.
7: It's unbelievable.
3: <laughs> you. All right. Hey, <laughs> anything else he has to do today, Allison? Or is this it? He's uh, just got to host the five and then you're done. So yeah. get some reason. Yeah. Hey, Gr-
9: right, Greg,
3: congratulations on your new body, your new Thank look, you. your Peloton. <laughs> Uh, and the only thing that bothers me about this Peloton, if you're an instructor, don't stop pedaling and yell at me. You better keep pedaling. Thank you. Uh,
14: it drives me mad. I actually yell at up. Uh, it's why I don't do that girl, Jess King, anymore. I don't, I don't do her at all.
3: Yeah, because you know she, what?
14: Stops, she stops and she starts talking about what she did that day. Mm. And I'm like, that's it. No more.
3: You broke up with her. Uh, I
14: did. I haven't done her in months.
3: <laughs> I
14: haven't. I have not done her, uh, her class in months. Class. Because of that.
3: Exactly. Greg Gutfeld just saved his marriage at the very last minute. Greg Gutfeld, (laughs) thank you very much. Pick up the plus. Self help for people who hate self help. I do not like him.
2: Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmead. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmead.
1: He also noted in later years that his first congregation of chickens listened to him more closely than some of his colleagues in Congress. John also thought that chickens were just a little more productive. At least they produced eggs, he said.
3: The President of the United States got a former President of the United States Bush forty three just got a standing ovation when he left. Bill Clinton speaking now at the funeral of Congressman Lewis, and President Obama will close the show. Uh, President Clinton is taking a long time to go through. Uh, I don't know if, um, and he's talking about all race and everything, and many people consider Bill Clinton the first black president. Nancy, listen WXJB in Florida. Hey, Nancy.
8: Hey, Brian, how are you doing? Good, what's on your mind? Hey, I'm just wondering, is anybody looking into doing a study on the daycares? I have a girlfriend who has two little ones. They have never shut down. So I'm just wondering why isn't somebody looking into how this is working in the daycare yes. in Florida or in the country and the workers that go there because they have never shut down. Great
3: point, and Nancy. We day- want to find out about kids in school. Why not go with where kids are in daycare? John Tulsa, KRMG. John.
13: Hey, yes, sir. Hey, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. Out of the Michigan Innovation Headquarters in Ann Arbor, there's a small company called the Cortec Group developing a new silicon doped quantum dot uv led that they say kills the coronavirus and other microorganisms fast and effective they're a supplement to your regular lighting you put them in the ceiling you flip the switch and these new uv leds can kill the coronavirus decontaminate a hospital room uh, transit system uh, sports locker room and so forth uh, fast and effective so if you breathe the droplets out into the air It'll kill the coronavirus.
3: All right, John, I'll look into that. I know JetBlue is using those UV rays, too, a robot, actually. Thanks so much for listening to The Brian Me Show.
10: From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.